Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. So we've been exploring together in part some of the work contained in uh, Richard and Mary Alice Tafola's book called Turnaround. And I'm looking at the ideas that they have expressed in this book as, as spiritual stepping stones to us improving the overall quality of our lives. And they identify seven of them. We are going to be taking a look at the fifth one today, which is the idea of energizing it. But for a quick review, the first four stepping stones are stepping stones that really deal more with the inner, that deal with thinking, that deal with consciousness. And you may recall that we began with the first stepping stone being that of awareness. We've got to be able to, to pay attention and really identify, really know what's going on, where we are. The second was the stepping stone of blessing to be able to hold the attitude, the mindset, the, the consciousness that there is good in everyone and in everything. And the third one was the internal experience of commitment or dedication. And then last week we looked at the importance of the power of our words. We looked at the idea of detached statements and, and affirmation statements. Today though we wanna look at the realization that it's not just enough to work on the inside, we also have to get busy. We need to actually do something. What is the, the Dutch proverb that we are to pray and move our feet? We are to pray and move our feet. So today's focus is really on this idea of moving our feet. I like this quote a lot. There are two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. You can climb to the top or you can sit on an acorn and wait. <laughs> We're not the people who are going to sit on the acorn and wait, are we? No. No, we're going to climb to the top. In other words, we're going to put forth whatever effort needs to be put forth in order to turn our lives around. Whether it is turning our lives around in the area of our work or our purpose or our health or our relationships, every one of us here has something that we are either working toward in our lives or working through. Am I not right? Yeah, we're either dealing with a challenge or we're dealing with a goal. And maybe we're dealing with both at the same time. But we are working towards something and or working through and around something. And so this idea of, of energize it is reminding us that it takes effort to change our lives. It takes effort to change our lives. It's one thing to think about the change that we want to make. It's quite another thing to actually navigate and experience and manifest the change. It takes effort. And I was thinking about the, that word, effort. What does it really mean? What does it really mean? It refers to the employment of physical and mental energy. Think about that for a moment. Physical and mental energy. Any change that we want to bring about in our lives, any turnaround, requires mental energy and requires physical energy. Mental energy to me is the ability to think our way through a difficulty or a challenge or to think our way toward 
a goal, or a dream. Mental energy uses some of the techniques we've already talked about, certainly uses the technique of affirmations and denials and visualization. All this is working at the level of consciousness to see our way through, to visualize. So that's mental energy. And new thought is really grounded in mental energy, is it not? It's grounded in the awareness that everything is created twice. First in the mind, in consciousness, which is mental energy, mental activity. And then where? In the outer, in form. And so physical energy is part of the effort. It's not just mental energy, it's also the physical energy. And the physical energy for what? The physical energy for what? The physical energy to do the work, to keep on pushing, if you will, to not let a stumbling block stop us, to physically do the work, to get up off our affirmations and do whatever it is that is the next right step. The physical energy, the physical effort is to make the changes, not just think about them, not just identify them, but day by day by day to consistently implement whatever change we know needs to be made. That takes physical effort. It takes discipline. That's another one of those words, a little bit like the word commitment. Commitment is, is a word that some people just shy away from. And discipline is another one of those because there's not a whole lot that's particularly exciting or sexy in discipline, is it? No, it's the consistency, the, the physical activity of repetition. The physical energy as well as about the energy to push beyond our fears. To push beyond our fears. It's not about whether we are afraid or not because most of us will always have some level of fear or anxiety or, or concern about anything significant that we're about to do. Why? Because we might not succeed, right? We might look foolish in the process of trying. We might make a mistake. And so for almost all of us, I think, there, there's an element of fear that requires our physical energy to push past, to be able to say, okay, I know I feel this right now, but you know what? That's okay. I can still move forward. I'm not going to let that feeling hold me back. Great book. If you haven't read it years ago, I think Susan Jeffers was the author. Feel the fear and, and do it anyway. And do it anyway. Physical effort requires some strength, does it not? Think about the body. If, if we do not exercise and use the body, it begins to deteriorate, does it not? What happens if a leg or an arm has been in a cast for a period of time? The muscle loses its strength and has to be used again and again through physical therapy and routine exercise to rebuild its strength. We're the same way in terms of faith, in terms of consciousness. We need to use it or, as they say, what? Lose it. To use it or we will lose it. The authors write in the book, although all things begin in the mind with thoughts, ideas, pictures, eventually there needs to be action to bring them to life. Potential alone is not enough. 
Potential alone is not enough. Say that with me. Potential alone is not enough. It's not that we are lacking in potential. We all have potential. We all have talent. But if we do not cultivate it, if we do not use it, if we do not go through the awkwardness of energizing it and not maybe starting off with a, a great show of display of our talent or our potential, then it's just going to fall by the wayside. Then it's just going to fall by the wayside. Potential has to be activated. My potential has to be activated. Say that with me. My potential has to be activated. I don't know if they included it in the book or if I found it somewhere else, but in, I have collections of stories and illustrations for all the years that I've been preparing Sunday talks. And this is one that just is a powerful illustration to me. It's about some wheat kernels, wheat seeds, wheat kernels that were found in an Egyptian tomb. Many thousands, they, the, the wheat, wheat kernels were many thousands of years old. And what they discovered was that even though these wheat kernels were thousands of years old, that they, they still have potential in life in them. And they could be planted, and they actually grew. Is that not mind-boggling? The potential was there. The potential didn't disappear. But, but unless it was planted, which is another way of symbolically saying, unless it was used, the potential lay dormant. What they also discovered was this. It was estimated that if they had been planted and their seeds replanted from the time that they had first fallen, until now, those few original seeds would have yielded enough wheat to feed the entire world, but nobody planted them. Imagine in the human heart, imagine in the human individual life, how much untapped unrealized, unused potential, there still is. And I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about you. And I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the first and the second part of our mission statement. I'm talking about the life that you long to live for yourself and for your family. I'm talking about the things that you would like to have different in your life, whether it has to do with your relationships or your health or your career, that you have within you untapped potential. And it will stay untapped until you decide to energize it, until you decide to put it out there, take a risk, and do something with it. But what is also true is that to the extent that you will take that potential and put it out there and use it, to that extent you can help to be part of this second part of our mission statement of healing our world. Because if each one of us shows up more fully expressing our unique talents and potential, we will together, we will together co-create a better world. Heaven is not some distant place. That's not what we believe in metaphysics. We believe it is a state of consciousness, a state of oneness where we recognize our con connection with the divine. But it is more than just a state of consciousness. It is a state to be brought into manifestation here and now on the planet. 
but it's not going to be an anthropomorphic God that makes that happen. It's going to be you and it's going to be me rising into our own innate potential and activating it and energizing it. And the way that our effort becomes tangible is or the way that we say to the universe, I am serious, is when we actually get to work. When we get up off the affirmation, when we do more than just speak our word, when we speak our word and we listen for the divine guidance that says, okay, now move your feet and do this. Make that phone call, try that class, meet with that person, overcome this challenge. I don't know what your guidance is. My job isn't to know your guidance. Mine is to know my own, right? But yours is to pay attention to what is that guidance so that after you have prayed and after you have gotten it, that you get up and you energize it with your action. That is how we tell the universe we mean business. I deeply believe that almost without exception, we already know what we need to be doing. We already know what we need to be doing. We're just either afraid of it, or we think we're not good enough yet. We're waiting to get everything perfect before we start. Have you noticed how it doesn't usually work that way? Have you noticed that, right? You already know what your next thing is. I know you do. Do it. Do it. Emerson said, without ambition, one starts nothing. Without work, one finishes nothing. The prize will not be sent to you. You have to win it. You have to win it. There's an element of truth to this statement I want to make, and that is that a lot of people live their lives with this mindset that says, fix me, fix my life, but please don't ask me to really change anything about myself. Right? Fix me, fix my life, fix my work, fix my relationships, fix my body, but please don't really ask me to change anything. There are many doctors who say that people come to them with serious conditions, heart conditions and so forth, with the hope to be healed, with the hope to be healed so they can go right back and live the same lifestyle they were living that got them there in the first place. There is something wrong with that picture. Would you not say? There is something wrong with that picture. Personal growth requires effort. I know you know that. I know you know that. And it requires putting our whole selves into it. One of the things I've enjoyed about going back into what I call these basic concepts of metaphysics is that it reminds me of how important the basics are. And I could feel as I was working with this material myself, my own energy about picking back up and doing some of the things with greater vigor and enthusiasm, like when I first found unity, like when I first found these teachings.
For those of you who've been in this teaching for a while, can you remember what it felt like when you first started learning about the power of the mind? When you first started learning about the power of the spoken word, when you first started learning that there is this idea of you being connected with one mind, God mind, and that God works through you to the extent that you allow God to work through you, and you began to experiment with all of these things that you wanted to change and bring forth in your life. Can you remember that? Nod your hand if you can. It was exciting, wasn't it? It was like dabbling in the laboratory of your life and concocting your wildest dreams. And then we go on after a while, and we kind of maybe don't practice with the same energy and, and same commitment, and things kind of just go plateauing for a while. I found myself this past weekend not only writing a whole new series of affirmations for myself, which I haven't done for a long time, actually write them down, whole new series, of, and I recorded my own voice, and I've been listening to me saying them to me. I've been in unity since the middle 1970s. That's when I first started learning some of these things. But going back is allowing me to go forward, to build on the foundation. So I really want to encourage you to energize your spiritual practice. What is it that you know works spiritually and you just haven't been doing it? Whatever that is, whatever came into your awareness when I said that just now, that's your homework assignment. That's your homework assignment. It's so easy when we are dreaming of the turnaround and the life that we would like to have for ourselves. It's so easy to look at others that seem to have it as well, that seem to be where we would like to be. And that's a mixed bag. I think it can be inspiring because what is true of one can potentially be true of all of us. So in that way, seeing those who have accomplished more in whatever you're trying to accomplish is, can be inspiring. But it can also, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves slipping into envy. And you know how that ego mind does all sorts of weird things? You know, we start to think, well, I wonder how they really got there right? The idea, well, you know, or, or we look and we think the grass is greener on the other side and envy comes up. If the grass is greener on the other side, you can bet there's a reason it is. They probably watered. They probably weeded. They probably fertilized. They probably did it not just once when the mood first struck and they had the first idea, but what? They kept at it consistently. I love that line in one of Stephen Covey's books, you can't cram on the farm. It's, unpack that. There's a lot of good wisdom in that. Say it with me. You can't cram on the farm, right? So energizing our life, energizing our dreams, energizing our turnaround is not just about a momentary burst of enthusiasm, it's about the steadiness and consistency of the step by step by step. A decision alone won't get us there. A decision alone won't get us there. My former mentor, he's no longer on the planet, Reverend Jack Boland, once told me about a card, that a, a greeting card that he had been given. And the greeting card had a picture on the front of four 
frogs sitting on a lily pad. And the bottom of the front of the card said, and one of them decided to jump off. How many are left? And you open the card, and what's the answer? Four. Because a decision to do something is not the same thing as doing it. As doing it. A decision to do something is not the same thing as doing it. The authors write, a desire without a deed is a dead end. A desire without a deed is a dead end. They also write, half-hearted effort won't cut it. Only consistent, persistent effort will get you there. Mastery lies at the other end of steady, persistent progress. One of the points that they make in their chapter on this turning point of energizing it was a rather unique idea. And the more I thought about it, the more I really appreciated their including it in this stepping stone or this turning point. And it is the idea that we need to keep ourselves open, clear, and clean to free up our energy. Let me repeat that. We need to keep ourselves open, clear, and clean to free up our energy for effort. Open, clear, and clean to free up our energy for effort. And they write about the importance of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is one of the most critical and important ways that we keep ourselves open, free, and clear, and clean. Too often we think of forgiveness as letting somebody else that has done something wrong off the hook. It isn't that. It's letting ourselves off the hook. They use a very, very um, powerful illustration of how the lack of forgiveness weighs us down. They talk about boats and how boats in the open water will often uh, collect on the bottom of the, of the boat barnacles, they're little sea creatures. And the barnacles, they start rather, rather small, but they begin to multiply. And they multiply so much so and can become so heavy weighing the boat down that it will keep the boat from being able to move forward in the water. And that what the owners know is that they have to periodically take the boat out of the water and scrape the bottom down and free the bottom of the boat of all of these barnacles because otherwise the boat cannot move forward in the water. That is so much like what happens to us. It really is. When we do not forgive, we weigh ourselves down. I mean, think about the last time you felt unforgiving towards someone or something, or the last time you sat with someone who was feeling that energy of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, even if it was logically justified, would you say that what you felt or what you saw in that other person was a free and open and easily moving forward energy? No. What, what was it like? Probably dark, probably sad, probably heavy, probably very stuck. St unforgiveness is like stuck energy. You know, it's very timely. Our ministerial intern, Ken Fendrick, is going to be teaching his first class here at the Unity Center. And he's going to be teaching it on Wednesday evening, November 20th. He's been working on it for a while. And the topic he picked was forgiveness. 
So if you are working with anything in your life right now where you know, gosh, I'm just, I know I'm struggling with this. I don't feel like I want to, or I don't know how to forgive, or I don't know why I should forgive. And maybe it's not even forgiving somebody else. Maybe it's forgiving yourself. I encourage you to show up in his class. Support him, but also support yourself. Show up in his class. Jesus talked about forgiveness. He said that it wasn't enough to give to forgive seven times 70 that you needed to forgive more, that you needed to forgive more. In other words, until the forgiveness is what? Oh, come on, you know this. Complete, until the forgiveness is complete. So circling back to this idea of energizing it, I want you to hold in your mind for just a moment the most important change you're wanting to see in your life personally or the most important goal you have going on. And I want you, as you hold that in your mind, to hold the question, what can I do today? What can I do today to energize that? What can I do today to energize that? Say it with me. What can I do today to energize that. If you got something right now, write it down. Put it in your phone, put it on a piece of paper, write it down. If you didn't get something right now, do not fall asleep today until you get your answer. It's there. I promise you it's there. What do you need to do to energize that? Namaste. Namaste.